Chapter 17 of The History of Miss Betsy Thoughtless, Volume 1 by Eliza Haywood. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Joyce Martin. Chapter 17 Is of less importance than the former, yet must not be omitted. Lady Mellison, having vented her spleen on those who by their stations were obliged to hear it, the object of it removed out of the house, became extremely cheerful the remaining part of the day. The fashion in which it might be supposed Miss Betsy would be accosted by the tarpaulin and amorato, and the reception she would give his passion occasioned a good deal of merriment, and even Mr. Goodman, feeling his dear wife took part in it, would sometimes throw in his joke. "'Well, well,' cried Miss Betsy, to heighten the diversion, what would you say now if I should take a fancy to the captain, so far as to prefer him to any of those who think it worth their while to solicit me on the score of love? This is quite ungenerous in you, cried Miss Flora. Did you not promise to turn the captain over to me when you had done with him? That may not happen a great while, replied the other, for I assure you I have seen him three or four times when he has called me here on business to Mr. Goodman and think to part with a lover of his formidable aspect would be to deprive myself of the most conspicuous of my whole train of admirers but suppose continued she in the same gay strain i resign to you mr staple or mr trueworth would not that do as well do not put me in the head of either of them i beseech you said miss flora for fear i should think too seriously on the matter and it should not be in your power to oblige me all that must be left to chance, cried Miss Betsy, but so far I dare promise you as to do enough to make them heartily weary of their courtship to me, and at liberty to make their addresses elsewhere. After this they fell into some conversation concerning the merits of the two last-mentioned gentlemen. They allowed Mr. Staple to have the finest face, and that Mr. Trueworth was the best shaped, and had the most graceful air in everything he did. Mr. Staple had an infinity of gaiety both in his look and behavior. Mr. Trueworth had no less of sweetness, and if his deportment seemed somewhat too serious for a man of his years, it was well atoned by the excellence of his understanding. Miss Flora, however, said, upon the whole, that both of them were charming men, and Lady Mellison added that it was a great pity either of them should have bestowed his heart where there was so little likelihood of receiving any recompense. "'Why so, my dear?' cried Mr. Goodman. "'If my pretty charge is at present in a humour to make as many fools as she can in this world, I hope she is not determined to lead apes in another. I warrant she will change her mind one time or other. I only wish she may not, as the old saying is, outstand her market.' While they were thus discoursing, a servant brought a letter from Mr. Staple directed to Miss Betsy Thoughtless, which was immediately delivered to her. On being told from whence it came, she gave it to Mr. Goodman, saying, "'I shall make no secrets of the contents. Therefore, dear guardian, read it for the benefit of the company.' Mr. Goodman shook his head at the little sensibility she testified of his friend's devoirs, but said nothing, being willing to gratify the curiosity he doubted not, but they were all in, Miss Betsy herself not excepted, as careless as she affected to be, which he did by reading in an audible voice these lines. To the most amiable and most accomplished of her sex, Madam. 
If the face is the index of the mind, as I think one of your best poets takes upon him to assert, your soul must certainly be all made up of harmony, and consequently take delight in what has so great a similitude of its own heavenly nature. I flatter myself, therefore, you will not be offended, that I presume to entreat you with grace with your preference, a piece of music composed by the so justly celebrated Signor Bonosini, and I hope will have justice done it in the performance, they being the best hands in town that are employed. I do myself the honour to enclose tickets for the ladies of Mr. Goodman's family, and beg leave to wait on you, this afternoon, in the pleasing expectation, not only of being permitted to attend you to the concert, but also of an opportunity of renewing those humble and sincere professions I yesterday began to make, of a passion which only charms such as yours could have the power of inspiring in any heart, and can be felt by none with greater warmth, zeal, tenderness, and respect than by that of him who is, and ever must be, madam, your most passionate and most faithful admirer, T. Staple. P.S. If there are any other ladies of your acquaintance to whom you think the entertainment may be agreeable, be pleased to make the invitation. I shall bring tickets with me to accommodate whoever you choose to accompany you. Once more I beseech you, madam, to believe me as above yours, etc. Mr. Goodman had scarce finished reading this letter when Lady Mellison and her daughter both cried out at the same time, "'Oh, Miss Betsy, how unlucky this happens! What will you do with the captain now?' "'We will take him with us to the concert,' replied she, "'and in my opinion nothing could have fallen out more fortunately. "'The captain has appointed to visit me at five. "'Mr. Staple will doubtless be here about that time, if not before, in order to usher us to the entertainment.' so that my tar cannot expect any answer from me to this letter, and consequently I shall gain time. Though Mr. Goodman was far from approving this way of proceeding, yet he could not forbear smiling with the rest at Miss Betsy's contrivance, and told her it was a pity she was not a man, she would have made a rare minister of state. "'Well, since it is so,' said Lady Mellison, "'I will have the honour of complimenting the captain with the ticket Mr. Staple intended for me.' Both Miss Flora and Miss Betsy pressed her ladyship to be of their company, and Mr. Goodman likewise endeavoured to persuade her to go, but she excused herself, saying, A concert was never among the number of those entertainments she took pleasure in, on which they left off speaking any further on it. But Miss Betsy was not at a loss in her own mind to guess the true reason of her ladyship's refusal, and looked on it as a confirmation of the truth of what Nanny had told her concerning the diamond necklace. There seemed, notwithstanding, one difficulty still remaining for Miss Betsy to get over, which was the probability of Mr. Trueworth's making her a visit that afternoon. She did not choose to leave him to go to the concert, nor yet to ask him to accompany them to it, because she thought it would be easy for a man of his penetration to discover that Mr. Staple was his rival, which she was by no means willing he should do before he had made a declaration to her of his own passion. She was beginning to consider how she should manage in a point which she looked upon as pretty delicate, when a letter from that gentleman eased her of all the apprehensions she at present had on the score. The manner in which he expressed himself was as follows. To Miss Betsy Thoughtless, Madam, I remember, as what can be forgot in which you have the least concern, 
but the first time i had the honour of seeing you at oxford you seemed to take a great deal of pleasure in the pretty tricks of a squirrel which a lady in the company had on her arm one of those animals which they tell me has been lately catched happening to fall in my way i take the liberty of presenting him to you entreating you will permit him to give you such diversion as is in his power were the little denizen of the woods endued with any share of human reason how happy would he think himself in the loss of his liberty and how hug those chains which entitle him to so glorious a servitude i had waited on you in person in the hope of obtaining pardon for approaching you with so trifling an offering but am deprived of that satisfaction by the pressing commands of an old aunt who insists on my passing this evening with her but what need is there to apologize for the absence of a person so little known to you and whose sentiments are yet less so i rather ought to fear that the frequency of those visits i shall hereafter make may be looked upon as taking too presuming an advantage of the permission you have been so good to give me i will not however anticipate so great a misfortune but endeavour to prevent it by proving by all the ways i am able that i am with the most profound submission madam your very humble obedient and eternally devoted servant c trueworth miss betsy after having read this letter ordered the person who brought it should come into the parlour on which he delivered to her the present mentioned in the letter which she received with a great deal of sweetness gave the fellow something to drink her health and sent her service to his master with thanks and an assurance that she should be glad to see him whenever it suited with his convenience all the ladies then began to examine the squirrel which was doubtless the most beautiful creature of its kind that could be purchased the chain which fastened it to its habitation was gold the links very thick and curiously wrought every one admired the elegance of the donor's taste miss betsy herself was charmed to an excess both with the letter and the present but as much as she was pleased with the respectful passion of mr trueworth she could not find it in her heart to think of parting with the acidities mr stable nor even the blunt addresses of captain highfoam at least till she had exercised all the power her beauty gave her over them as the two last-mentioned gentlemen were the friends of mr goodman he went out somewhat before the hour in which either of them was expected to come choosing not to seem to know what it was not in his power to amend and determined as he had promised miss betsy not to interfere between her and any of those who pretended to court her these two lovers came to the door at the same time and mr staples saying to the footman that opened the door that he was come to wait on miss betsy i want to speak to that young gentlewoman too cried the captain if she be at leisure tell her my name is highphone mr staple was immediately showed up into the dining-room and the captain in the parlour till miss betsy should be told his name that spark said he to himself i find is known here i suppose he is one of those mr goodman told me of and that has a mind to miss betsy but as she knew i was to be here i think she might have left some orders concerning me and not make me wait till that young gigaw had spoke his mind to her the fellow not coming down immediately he grew very angry and began to call a knock with his cane against the floor which it may be easily imagined gave some sport to those above miss betsy however having told mr staple the character of the man and the diversion she intended to make of his pretensions would not vex him too much and to atone for having made him attend so long went to the top of the stairs herself and desired him to walk up 
The reception she gave him was full of all the sweetness she could assume, and excused having made him wait, and laid the blame on the servant who, she pretended, could not presently recollect his name. This put him into an exceeding good humour. "'Nay, fair lady,' said he, "'as to that I have stayed much longer sometimes before I could get to the speech of some people who I have not half the respect for as I have for you.' "'But you know,' continued he, giving her a kiss, the smack of which might be heard three rooms off, "'that I have business with you, business that requires dispatch, and that made me a little impatient.' All the company had much ado to refrain from laughing outright, but Miss Betsy kept her countenance to a miracle. "'We will talk of business another time,' said she. "'We are going to hear a fine entertainment of music. You must not refuse giving us your company.' "'Lady Mellison has got a ticket on purpose for you.' "'I am very much obliged to her ladyship,' replied the captain. "'But I do not know whether Miss Goodman may think well of it or not, "'for he would fain have put me off from visiting his charge here. "'I soon found by his way of speaking the wind did not fit fair for me from that quarter, "'so tacked about, shifted my sails, and stood for the port directly.' "'Manfully resolved, indeed,' said Mr. Staple. "'But I hope, Captain,' You have kept a good lookout in order to avoid any ship of greater burthen that might else chance to overset you. Oh, sir, as to that, replied the captain, you might have spared yourself the trouble of giving me this caution. There are only two small pinks in my way, and they had best stand clearer, or I shall run foul on them. Though Mr. Staple had been apprised beforehand of the captain's pretenses, and that Miss Betsy intended to encourage them only by way of amusement to herself and friends, yet the rough manner in which his rival had uttered these words brought the blood into his cheeks, which Lady Mellison perceiving, and fearing that what was began in just might, in the end, become more serious than could be withstood, turned the conversation, and addressing herself to the captain, on the score of what he had said concerning Mr. Goodman, made many apologies for her husband's behaviour in this point assured him that he had not a more sincere friend in the world, nor one who would be more ready to serve him in whatever was in his power. The captain had a fund of great good nature in his heart, but was somewhat too much addicted to passion, and frequently apt to resent without a cause. But when once convinced he had been in the wrong, no one could be more ready to acknowledge and ask pardon for his mistake. He had been bred at sea. His conversation for almost his whole life had been chiefly among those of his own occupation. He was altogether unacquainted with the manners and behavior of the polite world, and equally a stranger to what is called genteel raillery, as he was to courtly complacence. It is not, therefore, to be wondered at that he was often rude, without designing to be so, and took many things as affronts which were not meant as such. Lady Mellison, who never wanted words, and knew how to express herself in the most persuasive terms whenever she pleased to make use of them, had the address to convince the captain that Mr. Goodman was no enemy to his suit, though he would not appear to encourage it. While the captain was engaged with her ladyship in this discourse, Miss Betsy took the opportunity of telling Mr. Staple that she insisted upon it that he should be very civil to a rival from whose pretensions he might be certain he had nothing to apprehend, and moreover that when she gave him her hand to lead her into the concert-room, he should give his to Miss Flora without discovering the least marks of discontent. The lover looked on this last injunction as too severe a trial of his patience. 
but she would needs have it so, and he was under a necessity of obeying, or of suffering much greater mortification from her displeasure. Soon after this they all four went to the entertainment in Mr. Goodman's coach, which Lady Mellison had ordered to be got ready. The captain was mightily pleased with the music, and had judgment enough in it to know it was better than the band he had on board his ship. "'When they have done playing,' said he, "'I will ask them what they will have to go with me on the next voyage.' But Mr. Staple told him it would be an affront, that they were men who got more by their instruments than the best officer either by sea or land did by his commission. This mistake, as well as many others the captain fell into, made not only the company he was with, but those who sat near enough to hear him, a good deal of diversion. Nothing of moment happening either here or at Mr. Goodman's, where they all supped together, it would be needless to repeat any particulars of the conversation which had been said already of their different sentiments and behavior may be a sufficient sample of the whole. End of chapter 17 Recording by Joyce Martin